Our next call on Why Me comes once again from Peggy B, calling from the Bundy household. You're on, Peggy. What's Al done this time? Well, he heard a song, and he can't remember the name of it. So he's holding me and the neighbors hostage. Help us! Help us! He's mad, I tell you, mad! That's right. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. Ha-ha-ham. You know, I'm going to find that song before this show is over, but uh, here we are. My name is Al. All I ever asked for was a stinking 45. The record or the gun. Hell, I'd even settle for the malt liquor. Well, this is Jamie, and I'm just over here putting these records by the furnace. Oh, good. This is Aaron. Aaron Duncan. I hate my life. Can't eat. Can't sleep. Can't bury my wife in the backyard. I relate, man. <laughs> yeah, guys, we are reviewing Oldies But Youngins, Season 5, Episode 17, Original Air Date, March 17th, 1991, Director Jerry Cohen, Writer Bill Prady, uh, Special Guest Stars, Joseph Bologna, Baloney, <laughs> I don't know, Matt LeBlanc, <laughs> Sully McCullough, Michael Stanton, Ron Littman, Gene Bean Baker, and special guest star Ted McGinley, still. So, uh, yes, Dan could not make it tonight. Aaron, thank you once again for joining us. We had such a great time on the Dance Show episode with Homer Simpson himself. So thanks for coming back, man. My pleasure, brother. My pleasure. Hey, if any of you guys out there haven't checked out Alex a couple days ago, you put up the link for the T-shirts. I bought one. I bought one tonight, a cool baseball one. So you guys, everyone, go buy one. Oh, you got a baseball tee? Yeah, yeah, green sleeves because it kind of matched the the married part that's bleeding. Right, right, right. <laughs> so Aww, I was like, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I can't wait to wear it and like, I like, like, I wore my Grandmaster B shirt to Thanksgiving. <laughs> like so. You should definitely take a picture and post it on our Facebook page. Oh, I will. New profile pic coming. <laughs> Model. Yeah, he is a model. You ever see this guy's hair? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I posted that. Like, uh, hope everybody jumped on it on Cyber Monday. It was more like Sunday. I'm sure it was going on Cyber Monday too. Um, Shirts are only fourteen bucks, guys. So jump on that tpublic.com. Get a nice Mary Children podcast T-shirt for dirt cheap. I post the link all the time in the Facebook group. So this is a big. Well, I'm not going to say big episode as if it's like a good thing. This is – well, Jamie, tell us about the uh, title obviously first. Okay. Well, the the title is a play on uh, oldies but goodies, which everyone has heard that before, I'm sure. That's what people call me. That's what they call you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm oldie but goodie. Yeah, normally people say that, like, to talk about classic songs as, you know, that stood the test of time uh, and are still interesting today to people, that people can still listen to them and I'd go like, ugh, God. 
This episode also served as the springboard for the top of the heap backdoor pilot, which was the 100th episode of Married with Children backdoor pilot. <laughs> Just like saying backdoor. <laughs> backdoor. Backdoor. <laughs> so these two guys, if if anybody doesn't know, um, uh, Joseph Bologna, Bologna and Matt LeBlanc, obviously everyone knows him, but the both of them, Charlie Verducci and Vinny Verducci, basically what they were trying to do is make a spin-off show because Married Children is so successful and in these days you never knew how long this stuff was going to last. I mean, there, you know, there was Dynasty and it's not like it's not like it was never heard of that a show would last long, you know, Happy Days lasted long. I'm sure we could cite plenty. But you just never know when a certain, I don't want to say gimmick or anything, but, you know, a certain vibe would uh, lose interest with audience. So when you have one, you kind of want to hurry up and plan your next move. And it's good to work off of that. If you already have a built-in audience, you use the show to introduce them to the next project. Basically, that's what they did here. It's not very obvious. It's it's only obvious to like people who like really know this, but it becomes more obvious in what Jamie mentioned that 100th show and that was called Top of the Heap. I always think it's weird when shows do that, when shows make the pilot episode of a spin-off one of their episodes because it just seems so bizarre that you have you spend an entire episode with these people you don't even know. Particularly when it's the 100th episode yep. of the show that you're watching, it seems like they would take that opportunity to celebrate what they are, to celebrate themselves. And I mean, does that seem bizarre to anyone else? No, absolutely. I mean, that's the first thing I I thought of when he was talking about it being a 100th episode, because <laughs> in your mind, you're like, oh, this is the 100th one. This is the one. That like a lot of shows for their hundredth episode, they'll extend it. It'll be you know an hour as opposed to thirty minutes. But this one went the total opposite direction. <laughs> to me, like having your fiftieth anniversary party, but bringing in another couple. <laughs> it's like you know, hey, it's our golden anniversary. You guys celebrate. We'll see you later. You know what's <laughs> weird is sitting here thinking about it. I guess that was a big thing with sitcoms like in the 90s that were successful to have a spinoff with, because like, I think home improvement tried to do a similar thing with Jim Brewer and Dave Chappelle, if I remember correctly. Like, yeah, home- I mean, it's been that way as far back as I can remember. I mean, there were a ton of them in the seventies and, and into the eighties. It's just, it's, and the same thing happened with like all in the family, you know, there was an episode where it was just nothing but the Jeffersons. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, spun off into the Jeffersons. But it's bizarre to be watching an episode of All in the Family and here it's all about the Jeffersons. And I'm like, what is happening here? But then you realize, oh, it was their pilot episode, you know, or their backdoor pilot episode. Melrose Place and 90210. Do you remember that, Jamie? The yes. first Melrose Place was all the 90210 people in it. Mm-hmm. As if, like, they're all friends and they just never see each other again. It's in the second episode and on. See, and that's where, oh, and you have uh, the Golden Girls and Empty Nest. Empty Nest was a spinoff of the Golden Girls, and they live next door to each other. And occasionally you would have crossovers, but it just seemed kind of, it was weird. <laughs> you know, that it's always they're weird. Because so, sometimes they're so close, you know, whenever they cross over. But then you'll see, 
you'll go episode after episode after episode and they don't even mention the other people. I'm like, well, I thought you guys were so close. You know, that's that's the way you portray it. Introduced it, yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre. And sometimes they catch on and sometimes the spinoff ends up doing better than the original show. In this case, that did not happen. <laughs> uh, no, it lasted seven episodes when they went on their own. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but let's not bash it too hard. Let's pay some respects um, because Joseph Bolo- Bolo- Bologna um, died August 13th, 2017. That was the father. And uh, Matt LeBlanc, uh, most people know uh, his big claim to fame is he went on to be a major player in the TV show Friends for, I think, 10 seasons. Yes. Yep. And then he went off to do his own spinoff show after Friends ended. Right. He did Joey for like a minute. Yep. Yeah. He's let's see if he's a, a member of two failed here. <laughs> Joey. Here we go. Oh, 46 episodes. I don't know. Is that a failure? 2004 to 2006. Yeah. Friends was so successful on NBC. They probably went ahead and like had it for two years. Like, and that's how he got 46 in there and stuff. Because yeah. I couldn't have, that's, that's my assumption that the Joseph Baloney guy, he looks so familiar. Like I've seen well, him. He's been, yeah, he's, well, he was in another show too, back before all of this. I want to say it was in the eighties where, and I don't remember the, Oh, rags to riches where he played a, a guy, like a rich guy who adopted, I want to say, or either was a foster father of a bunch of girls, like teenage girls. He was Nick Foley. He's in 20 episodes of that show. Yeah, that's Mick then, Foley from WWF. Mick Foley. Yeah, that's they, Mick Foley. they threw him off the steel cage. Yeah. yeah, so I guess that only lasted one season, but I watched it when it was on. I didn't realize it was that short-lived. But he's been in a lot of uh, a lot of movies, too. He pops up all over the place. He looks like he would like make really good pizza or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he does. I don't know. Let's hope he doesn't put bologna on it. <laughs> <laughs> bologna. Yeah, he was in Big Daddy 99, The Big Bus. Oh, and Al Bundy mentions The Big Bus. Dude, that's what I remember him from. I hate to say this, but I remember him from Big Daddy. He was Adam Sandler's dad. Isn't that bad? Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, Al Bundy mentions um, when he's looking at Brandy Brett, Miss October 1987, he's, re- you know, when Steve and, and Al are staring at her uh, when she's bent over and stuff, Al says he's reading off of all her favorite things. You know, uh, she has a birthmark on right bend of left knee or something. Her favorite movie, The Big Bus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, he that's the only reason I ever even heard of that movie. Um, and that's weird that he's in it. So uh, he was in Blame It on Rio and Made for Each Other. So these are all old, though. That's 1984 and 1971. The last time he worked was 2012 in uh, Driving Me Crazy. So, yeah, he's long gone. I'm looking at other stuff. I wouldn't say long gone. That's only six years. That's a long time ago. Alex is long gone. No one even knows who he is. The ever lilting fragrance of Eau to bring them all on. <laughs> it must be Friday, Kel, because if it was Saturday, it would be Essence de Free Clinique. Gee, bud, it's date night. Shouldn't you be upstairs practicing your French kissing on your stuffed ninja turtle dog? <laughs> Saying... Oh, Donatello, your shell is so soft. Aren't we testing? That was a little weird for me. 
I wonder why Donatello. Yeah. I always had a thing for Michelangelo. I, who, who was your guy's favorite turtle? Michelangelo. Okay, Michelangelo. Yeah. Growing up, that seems to be like the instant go-to. But as I got older, I eventually realized that Raphael was my guy. See, I guess well, I, I liked Leonardo the best. I was a Leonardo kid. Hmm. So check this out. In my life, I've tried to name most animals after Ninja Turtle pets. But uh, I had a cat named Splinter. A dog named Leonardo, Leo for short, and another dog named Michelangelo, or Mikey for short. Nice, dude. I once babysat this kid, and he was really... This was when Ninja Turtles was huge, and he named everything Michelangelo. So we were playing... (laughs) We played the game of life, and... His name was Michelangelo. His wife's name was Michelangelo. And every time he had a kid and put it in the car, I was like, what's the kid's name? He's like, Michelangelo. I'm like, what are you, George Foreman? (laughs) But everything, that's all he wanted to know. Nothing else existed. It was Michelangelo. Yeah. So it is weird that Bud wants to do whatever with Donatello. I mean, we don't – Bud didn't necessarily verify that, but I think we know he's guilty. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't deny it either, right? Yeah, he didn't deny it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I still love the turtles. I actually wore a Ninja Turtle shirt uh, yesterday because uh, part of my childhood never let it go. Alex, have you seen Turtles Forever? Oh, yeah, dude. When they combine the old ones and the new ones? Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, that was wild, right? No, oh, dude, it's a, it's an adventure. It's awesome. I watched it the other day, so. Yeah, it was good. Yep. <laughs> Could it be that uh, your date isn't the only thing that's late? <laughs> He'll be here. I've had guys crawling on their bellies out of flaming auto wrecks to go out with me. <laughs> Would you crawl on your belly out of a flaming auto wreck to go out with Kelly? Uh, crawl I mean, well, hold on. I feel like if I'm in a flaming auto wreck, I'm going to crawl out no matter what. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I'm like, hopefully you would crawl out of a flaming auto wreck regardless of who was eating on the So if, if that's the plus, then uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Good deal, right? Yep. Kelly, you might as well hear it from someone who loves you. You're hagged out. <laughs> Finished. Over. But keep your chins up, Kel. <laughs> Plenty of guys will still call you. They'll just call you, hey, waitress. But uh, they're going to call her waitress. Oh, I'm sorry, Jamie. I'm just reading what it says here. I know. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. Kelly actually becomes a waitress in a very famous episode, which is one of my favorite episodes ever. That dude's in it from Christmas Vacation and Wayne's World, Mr. Shirley. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Isn't that he's the Murray brother, right? The- yeah, was, yeah, Brian Doyle Murray or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great episode. Great episode. Did you guys notice that the shirt that Bud is wearing, like, I feel like Marcy would wear the same shirt. <laughs> I did notice that it was interesting. <laughs> like, I, I didn't care for it. Bud uh, comes into his own with style lately. Yeah, he he really goes through. Some phases, and I love all of them, really. Yeah, when he goes through his rapper phase, it's so funny. Like, he must have talked to the producers and been like, look, I really want to put some of myself into this show. I love Bud Bundy, and I love myself. (laughs) But the thing is, is they make fun of him. So it's like, 
the, like when he puts the rapper thing into the show, it's so like, it's so amazing. It's one of my favorite things. Obviously, like we said, I have a Grandmaster B shirt. Right. But, the, but it's like a joke. Yeah. It, is that no one can take him seriously. And it's like, surely he kind of recognized the satire in that like, wait a minute, people don't take this guy seriously that thinks he's a rapper. Do they take me seriously? Poor bud. Now there's nothing wrong with a guy being a little late. Doesn't mean anything. Kelly, you're home. Oh my God, you've been stood up. (laughs) My poor baby. I tell you what, we'll get some Ovaltine, watch the Home Shopping Network, and I'll order you a clapper. (laughs) A crummy commercial? Yeah, more Ovaltine, please. Do you guys? Did you guys ever drink Ovaltine as a kid? Not, not as a kid, but when I was a nanny, I did because the little girl that I took care of drank Ovaltine. Jesus, now people are out there going, "How many jobs have you had? <laughs> How many kids have you babysat?" <laughs> I have done, so, I have done everything. I have done just about everything. What haven't you done for money, Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> That's Man, a much like, shorter list <laughs> than what I have. <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, so no, not as a child, but I did later on. I think I always had like, I don't, I guess was Ovaltine top tier because I always had like Nesquik or the Nesquik, other one. Hershey's what I grew up on. Yeah. yeah, Nesquik. Well, I drank it just because of uh, the Christmas story movie with the BB gun. <laughs> they talk about Ovaltine and like, I remember asking my dad what that was, and he goes, oh, yeah, they still have that. So I was like, can we get that? And, I, you know, I was like, what is it? He's like, well, I guess it's just chocolate milk, I think. Oh, you're so cute. My dad had this weird thing. He threw a – he used to put it into a blender and throw a raw egg into it, and that's how he drank it. <laughs> Wait, what was he, that, Rocky? <laughs> I know what he was doing. He was trying to make – an early version of a protein shake. That was probably before they Or he was trying to make Ovaltine look manly. <laughs> this isn't chocolate milk. This is a manly protein drink. Sure. He's like, he's like, Apollo wants to hurt you. Come on. <laughs> now go get my towel and let's run up some steps. So, wait a minute. Would he put the egg in it and then have you drink it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. He's trying to make you rocky. Okay. <laughs> Eat lightning and crap thunder. Like, <laughs> Oh my god. Why did he put the egg in it? That's amazing. I don't know. No son of mine is drinking chocolate milk. Honey, Kelly's been stood up. Must bring back memories for you, Epic. <laughs> anyway, I was driving home, God knows why. <laughs> and I hear this old song on the radio that I used to love, but I can't remember the name. Now, why is it whenever a song comes on the radio and you're waiting to hear them name it, it's always number six of 40 in a row? Well, stick with it, honey. You figured out how to flush the toilet. You'll figure this one out. This is a burning question of our time, and I will not have it trivialized by a woman who thinks the TV show Hunter is engrossing. (laughs) Anyhow, the DJ finally comes on. Instead of telling me the name of my song, what does he do? Goes on and on about some massive pileup on the freeway. Twelve dead, twelve dead. <laughs> then he kicks off about 500 in a row with Bobby Goldsboro's musical sphincter lock known as Honey. <laughs> oh, God. This is what it's like being home on a Friday night? Al Trash is this song, uh, Honey. 
I don't even, I, don't, I never heard of it. He said it's like stomach turning also, <laughs> just like Ovaltine. I think the song Honey and Ovaltine with an egg in it have the same effect on you. Oh my gosh, I can't get over the Ovaltine thing. It's, it's too much. The egg. But now, it's weird that Bud doesn't know. When Al goes, hehehem, it's weird because Bud, remember Jamie, we talked about how Bud sort of into all these like classic songs like he knew the song moon river and it was kind of made clear that he sifts through al and peg's record collection earlier on in the show yes somehow i didn't know this though well i mean i did i never knew now i remember watching this episode when it originally aired the whole time i was watching and this time too i still don't know the song and i used to listen to oldies i hate i just hate that saying because now 80s are referred to as oldies and that just makes me oh get out of here no they are they they are um by young people it i don't know it just it's i still don't know it like i don't know this song so which is bizarre because i know a lot about music from back then so he the whole time he's singing it, I'm like, what is that song? And I, uh-huh. it doesn't even sound familiar. But anyway, I guess it's "Go to Him" by Anna Arthur Alexander, and I don't even know who that is. Well, you know what's interesting is I have a pretty uh, wide musical knowledge and stuff like that. Always like, especially with old music and things of that nature. And <clears throat> I didn't know the song. And then my cousin Matt, he was when I was um, going back and watching the episode and taking notes. He was watching it with me. And he's a DJ, been a DJ for 25 years, some odd, maybe maybe longer. And he was like, he thought the song was made up for the show. Um, <laughs> That's and, what I was going to say. And he, uh, and after I looked it up, I was like, no, dude, it's a legit song. And it, really, it sounds like, it's a, it's a, it, like, if you listen to it, it's actually a pretty good song. It reminds me of, like, someone who quite didn't make it to Motown. That's the best mm-hmm. way I could, like, describe it. But it's really good. So I will go back and listen to it. And that's one thing I meant to do and I, I didn't. But so I'm wondering if I heard the whole song, if maybe it would sound familiar or maybe it's just one of those songs that got radio play when it was initially released. And then you just never heard it again because there's a lot of stuff like that. You know, if I'll, you, put it, um, I'll put it like this. It sounds familiar in the sense that it sounds like a lot of songs from that time. OK, right. Well, guys, you know, I knew it right away. And the reason is because. Uh, one other thing my dad did to me is <laughs> he he raised me to be a huge Beatles fan. Mm, they covered it. They covered this. So to me, this was, oh, yeah, it's, it's Anna Go With Him. Like, I, it didn't even take me a second to know what it is. And I've heard that song you know, like 50 times growing up. Uh, my early teens, it was like almost all Beatles. And then I got into my own stuff once the grunge hit. I think I kind of like veered away from the Beatles and did what was happening at the time. So uh, I was a big 50s and 60s music uh, guy before that. So, um, yeah, the Beatles made this song popular more than uh, Arthur Alexander, definitely. Alex, next time that Dan can't make it, we should get your dad to fill in. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and he can, you know, waterboard you with Ovaltine and an egg live. <laughs> I, while forcing you to listen to Anna go to him, yeah. I maybe I would recognize the Beatles version. Well, Jamie, I, I just want to know where where would you put uh, my record collection? Because it's kind of in the way right now in my house. I would put it downstairs by the furnace, so it's out of the way. Ah, 
Good. <laughs> it's good to keep them warm. That's always a good combination. We all learned that in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. <laughs> it's always a good thing. Heat and records always go well together. Now listen to this very carefully and tell me the name of the song. Mm-hmm, him. <laughs> well, I don't know what it is, Dad, but if you get the name, me and the gang would sure like to boogie to it. Get out of my way. Hey. Hey, you're old. You know it. Mm-hmm, him. Clip your nose hairs, Al. <laughs> When you were humming, it looked like a squid was trying to reach out and grab the kids. Gee, none of my uh, none of my family was any help to me. How unusual. Al, must we be the spit bucket in the early round knockout that is your life? As usual, you need professional help. So why don't you just call the oldie station, K Fossil, and ask the DJ? I already called. I got Rick Cool himself. Gee, Rick Cool, huh? Did Bobby 23 Skidoo quit? (laughs) Al, the suspense is boring us. Tell us what he said. He said, the colors, the colors. Has anybody seen my good friend John? And he lit up a banana, then he hung up. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Him. Damn, right on the tip of my tongue. Well, then it doesn't have long to live. I must have that song. Maybe it's on the B-side of a record I already have. Peg, where's my record collection that I spent my entire youth building? Well, they were cluttering up your closet, so I moved them downstairs next to the furnace. Good thinking. Because nothing brings out the luster of original records better than intense, searing heat. Lousy, red-headed, life-sucking... That's my date. Tell him I am not home. Why don't you tell him? (laughs) Good idea. (laughs) I am not home. (laughs) Then is it okay if I wait? (laughs) Now, it's funny because that's one of those things where you try to suspend something because it's great. It's great that he's just as dumb as Kelly, that she thinks she could tell someone she's not there, and then it's double great that he's looking at her, who is there, and asking her if he can wait for her. <laughs> so, Well, when he initially delivered that line, I thought that he thought she was kidding, and he was – I didn't realize – I guess it was the inflection. I didn't realize that he was actually being dumb until Bud said, Mom, if my mixed up at the hospital theory is correct, I'd say we just found Kelly's natural brother. Yeah, because I guess if you don't see, wow, that's a shame because I already, I mean, that's cool that because I already knew his character. So it's weird that. I already knew what he was doing and you didn't. So it's kind of strange. That's an interesting perspective that you had no idea that he was stupid. So that must be so weird for you. So you just thought he was being really witty. No, I, yeah, I thought he thought she was being a smart ass. So he was, you know, being a smart ass right back for a moment. And then I realized, yeah. oh, I guess he's supposed to be dumb. 
There's two idiots here. It was almost like he was in some ways a, a, like a female Kelly. But I'll tell you this. So I'm sitting there watching his character and I'm like, in every sense of the word, I, I'm sitting there telling myself, that's freaking Joey from Friends. So like, <laughs> I feel like they totally ripped off that character and just made him like preppier to like because like they are so much alike on their dumbness and all this stuff that mm-hmm. I feel like I could convince someone like, oh, yeah, Friends was a um, a spinoff of this. And right. during this time, Joey went through a punk rock phase, and that's why he dresses this way. But by the time <laughs> the Friends, he's kind of matured a little bit, but he's still dumb. It would be it would be easy to believe because you're right. His his character is very similar. They even had the same haircut. If you go by like Joey still had that haircut in the first season. Oh, absolutely. You could convince someone of that because they had to have seen him on that show and said, this is going to play our our dumb guy. That's like our mm-hmm. our dumb, good looking guy, because he can we know he can do it. I guess he's meant to be dumb, right? Like he's no he has no other purpose in this world than to play a moron. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Like we that's a weird destiny. Well, he was also ketchup guy. You remember that commercial? <laughs> no. You know, but he was very cool. He was like a cool guy in that commercial. I remember back in the day when you'd have to like hit it on the 57 or whatever. Right, right. Get it to come out. And like the first time I seen like a normal ketchup bottle that had squeeze capabilities on it in a restaurant, I was like, holy crap, amazing. Squeeze capabilities. (laughs) Squeeze capabilities. (laughs) This is capable of being squeezed. Now with squeeze technology. I was like, yeah, I don't know how they did it. <laughs> God, it's good to be alive today. <laughs> uh, so, Jamie, uh, I know we sort of touched on it, but give us the lowdown of of uh, Matt LeBlanc, Vinny Verducci here. This episode introduces Vinny Verducci, who would appear in three more episodes during season five and six as Kelly's boyfriend. Jury Tribbiani. Tribbiani, yeah. In addition, his former Married with Children co-star Christina Applegate would later make a couple of appearances on Friends as Amy, the older sister of his friend, Rachel. Wow. Nice. When uh, when Amy was on Friends, she recognized Joey from TV because Joey, of course, on Friends was an actor who was on Days of Our Lives. She says to LeBlanc, OMG, you're on Days of Our Lives. They must put a lot of makeup on you. <laughs> 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 Incidentally, Christina and Matthew Perry, who, of course, played Chandler on Friends, go back even further as they were in a movie called Dance Till Dawn in 1988, which is a pretty awesome movie. That dude did something besides Friends? Matthew Perry? Yeah. Well, he also did Fool's Rush In with Salma Hayek. Ah, oh, she's so hot. He, I remember he did that movie with Chris Farley. I think the last movie Chris Farley did. Yeah, he did. Uh, he's done several things, but nothing ever really caught on i mean i don't know if you guys noticed like i guess none of them really seemed to i guess okay courtney cox went on to do the scream franchise jennifer aniston caught on for yeah she caught on yeah she did a lot of rom-coms for a little while but i think she i think she's actually fading now i think her big claim to fame is all those magazines you see at like the grocery store (laughs) you know what she was in um she was in we're the millers and i love that that was awesome so yeah Oh, Courtney Cox, I totally forgot. She had uh, Cougar Town, that show that lasted, I think it was several seasons in um, right, uh, like mid-2000s or something, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when. I, don't, I think I watched one episode of it, and I wasn't 
you know, nuts about it. But I think it lasted for several years. So she did that. Lisa Kudrow, did she ever do anything else? God, oh, she's God, got, I hope not. She's got the biggest neck. Dude, she is so gross. I, I can't. St- I know so many guys who love Phoebe that like, she's their favorite one. Ugh. Actually, she more seems- of it. More guys that I knew back when we were all watching Friends, more guys that I knew were into Phoebe than anybody else. Well, she seemed cool, but man, that she has the biggest neck, and I think it got bigger as the show went on. <laughs> yeah, that's my wife's like favorite TV show ever, I think. Really? I think Friends is like her marriage with children. That, you know, that's, that's that way with a lot of people, and I'm just like... Does it like I don't know any group of people that gets together every day or has ever for that matter where there's six people that can somehow get together in in a coffee shop in the morning before work. I'm like, (laughs) no, that never happens because most people that that work, they have to be like they wake up to get to work. They're not like, well, I'm going to set this extra time aside so I can hang (laughs) out with my friends in the morning. Yeah, like no. So every episode's unrealistic for that reason. Dude, I'm still hoping I, I get a neighbor like Jefferson and Marcy. Yeah. That's never going to happen. <laughs> I got the most annoying neighbor in history. and Yeah, the, the real neighbor doesn't exist anymore because, like, I, like, I'll put it like this. I get out of my car or something like that or I'm walking into my house and, like, the only interactions I have with my neighbor is, like, when we look at each other awkwardly. And I'm like trying to get in my house quicker. Like I'm just like I can't get to my house, my front door quick enough. I I literally I get out of, like I see him standing in the backyard, and I literally just start looking at the floor, and then I just say, like, oh, I can't do this. So I just glance over, and go, hey man, what's going on? And then he's and as he starts responding, I hear his voice trail off. I'm like, is he still talking? I'm like walking into my front door, and he's still responding to me. I just want to say hi, and that's it. Actually, we do have one, a really nice neighbor. This is so bizarre, though. Over the summer, I was getting ready for work one night, and all of a sudden, I hear this lawnmower. And I look at him, I'm like, what, what is happening? Like, who's mowing their lawn that is so close that I can hear it? So I go, and I look out the sliding glass door, and it's our next-door neighbor mowing our lawn. What? And I was like, what is he doing? Like, why? Why is he mowing our lawn? Like, it, it's not like our lawn was really overgrown or anything. Like, it, it's not like it was, well, fine, I'll just do it my damn self. You know, no, it was it was totally fine. So I'm like, well, go see what he's doing because I'm, like, half naked. I was getting ready for work. And I'm like, well, what do you do? Walk outside and go, what are you, lost? Well, no, so he goes outside. <laughs> he goes outside and he walks up to him and he's like, hey, man, how you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm fine. He's like, I was just mowing my lawn. I figured I'd hop on over here and mow yours, too. <laughs> We're like, what? Okay. <laughs> that's that's so weird. Random. So, just where were you while I was wasting my life away with my family? Well, I wanted to get you something nice. Garfield spoils the picnic. <laughs> that crazy cat gets into everything from the potato salad to the sack races. <laughs> Now, that's the second time Kelly has said Lasagne in reference to Garfield. And I love that Kelly loves Garfield because I got to say, like, it's weird, though. Like, I I didn't have enough exposure to him to put him in the status of Ninja Turtles or Simpsons or anything. But I loved Garfield. Like, I thought he was great. His Christmas episode is epic. His Halloween is the greatest thing in the world. 
Uh, and his show, like, I, I've watched about, like, 20 of the shows, I'd say. And it was all great, and the comics are always great. So I think it's cool that um, Kelly's into Garfield. And the last time she read Garfield was when Steve Rhodes left Marcy. And Bud comes in the door, and she goes, Oh, D, did you eat all my lasagna? And she starts laughing, and then Bud walks in and goes, Oh, your butt's moving. You must be reading. Yeah. I was just about <laughs> to say it was the butt-moving episode. Yep, that was it. So real quick... Jamie, back when uh, Al said, when Peg was making fun of him obsessing on the song, Go With Him, what was this thing he mentioned, this uh, Hunter TV show? Um, Well, uh, Ed O'Neill previously guest starred in an episode of Hunter back in 1985. Uh, The Garbage Man was the title of that. He was a crooked cop. And uh, that was a a show with Fred Dyer, who was a former football player, I believe, and Stephanie... Stephanie Kramer, Stephanie Kramer. Um, oh. And it was a, you know, cop show with um, Hunter and his partner, who was Stephanie Kramer. Wow, so he mentioned it, huh? So that was the thing. That's a show nobody ever talks about anymore, but it was really popular. And weird it was called The Garbage Man, because Peg always wanted him to be a garbage man <laughs> instead of a shoe salesman. Well, they do have good benefits. And I, I was going to say, I love when shows actually kind of do that, when they give you that little wink and all that stuff. Don't they do that a lot uh, throughout the series with, like, that Dutch movie? Like, I swear I've, they mention it <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah. They go to a video store, and it's, and it's Dutch. You can see this whole poster, I think, for Dutch, like a stand or something. And, like, it's, his face is blocked out with a thing over it that says, you know, like, I, I forgot what it said. But it was, like you know, like, maybe on sale or something like that or whatever. Oh, yeah. I think they mention it, too, when they go to the movies or something. Like, I'm not paying to see Dutch or something like that. I forget what that joke was, but... Yep, they do that. And they do that with Jefferson a lot. Like, he says, come on, kid, I was not on Happy Days. How, what was it like on Love Boat? Get out of here! Mm-hmm. You know, like that when they go to TV land. Yeah, they do that stuff. That's great. Love it. So, did you guys know that there's a troll living under the Bundy house? <laughs> <laughs> I just have to get my bag. Oh, by the way, this is my mom and uh, the troll that lives under our house. <laughs> Well, it's nice to meet you. And, uh, excuse me, sir, I was just wondering, doesn't it get lonely under the house? (laughs) Not when you have a bell and a hat. (laughs) Hi, I'm Peggy, and I know what you're thinking. How could a woman barely out of high school herself possibly be the mother to a teenage daughter? (laughs) Actually, I was wondering if we had trolls under my building. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I hear noises. My dad says it's the pipes, but now I wonder. Look, I am not a troll. I'm a boy, you idiot. That was so good that Vinny... But like believed it so much to ask him questions about it. That shows his level of intelligence. Big, Ugh. and he wouldn't shut up about it. Like even after this was long over with, he keeps. She says, Peg says something to him, and he's like, "No, I was just wondering uh, if there's a troll under my house or under my condo, or whatever." He said. <laughs> That's what's so good about these about this show, though, is that through every episode I've watched, there's always been something that I doubted a little bit. But then I realized that was the setup for like the slam dunk of a joke later on. <laughs> um, like the whole, like the, like when Peg mentions the cigarette lighter 
in this episode. And then mm-hmm. it, the way it comes back around and, um, Al, you know, Alan defense, you know, he said your father was bending over and the cigarette lighter totally comes back around when, um, baloney explains it. I love how that how that wrapped up too. I thought that was very clever because it just seemed very offhanded when she, you know, when she initially mentioned it, it was just a remark about his character. But that was it. You know, you didn't expect uh-huh. it to go anywhere. And then when it actually does come back, like that was masterful. That was pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, Bud jumps up, stumps, and jumps up and down like a troll to say he's not one. I just poured through my record collection, literally. (laughs) Isn't it, though, just uh, another... We were talking last episode about coincidences, that things just happen to happen (laughs) to the specific thing that they need right right Mm -hmm. at that moment. So it just so happens that she just moved his 45 collection down next to the furnace, and clearly it was a recent thing because they're they're still dripping. So... This is something that just happened. Well, how interesting that you haven't needed these 45s for God only knows how long. And the, and the very time you need them, she just happened to move them. Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, uh, this, ha- this happened even in this episode, like, later on. The big gag at the end, looking for the record player. We all know that as soon as you walk in the Bundy house, walk a couple steps past the closet, make a right, and the record player is right there. Mm-hmm. It's been there forever. So... Now that the you finally are going to play something, the record player is somehow not there. Isn't that what they were playing the Yodeling Andy, Yodeling Andy record on, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's there, so suddenly it's downstairs now in the basement. You have to go get it in this episode only. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, hi, Mr. Bundy. Vinny. Vinny Verducci, Charlie's boy. Peg, you remember Charlie? Charlie, you met him at our wedding. Oh, yes. A lovely man. When you see your father, ask him if he's done with my mother's cigarette lighter. (laughs) In defense of your father, she was bending over and he might have thought that, you know, someone had left it in the folds of a couch. (laughs) But you ought to start hanging around with this guy. The girls can't keep their hands off him. (laughs) What brings you here? He's taking Kelly out. (laughs) Touch her and I'll hang you with your own colon. (laughs) Hey, Kel, come here. Five bucks says this guy won't even touch you. You're on. No guy has ever gone out with me and not touched me. (laughs) (sighs) She's had a lot of different guys, too. I envy them. Just think, uh, salt water touched her. Yeah, (laughs) salt water. (laughs) Salt water touched. Actually, he touched her in real life. According to that one trivia, supposedly, it's nobody, the source is unconfirmed, but saltwater dated kelly in real life man yeah yeah can you imagine being around like just being around kelly back then it's like the 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 odds were pretty in your favor and stuff like that yeah man of what a disease (laughs) Ah, that she would that she would have a penicillin dispensary i'm just kidding i love kelly everyone knows i love kelly don't jump on me. It's weird <laughs> when you're a guy. I guess you think about, like, you really weigh the odds. <laughs> like, <laughs> I Do I want to catch this or not have a great night with Kelly? Yeah, in the moment, in the moment, you're like, oh, no, 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 it'll be fine. But then, a- but then afterwards, you're like, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, in the moment, you're like, they have pills for that stuff. 
Yeah, they have a pill. And then, and then afterwards, the question you ask, wait, do they have a pill for that stuff? Wait, what do you mean it's not curable? I can only manage it. <laughs> oh, God, you tell me that. What am I, a doctor? How should I know this stuff? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, honey, we're finally alone. I know it would take your mind off that record for a minute. You can make love to me four times. <laughs> hey, when I said I was after an oldie, I meant but a goodie. Now, here's a big moment. Peg offers sex for four times while Al is listening to that one song. That means that Al got four sex points this episode because sex was offered four times in a row and he said no to that entire encounter. Oh, good for him. He's going to yep. he's never going to catch up though still. I no. think that well, didn't he say Peg when Peg when I said I was after an oldie I meant but a goodie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's wow. so good. That was the best line ever. So, uh Marcia Jefferson are now just walking into the Bundy house, you know, no doorbell, no knocking on the door, you know, because think about it, like, I guess they had to transition over to that kind of thing, that mode, because... Oh, totally. Do you really want to see Peg get up, you know, how many episodes do we have left? Like, uh, 160 or so? Like, do you really want to see Peg get up every time and walk over to the door and open the door mm-hmm. and all that? It's just like, you know, just guys just start coming in. I want to put this out there, too. So, like, I'm at season nine, I think, right now of Married mm. with Children. Well, you know, I'm flying through it. Um, but I want everyone to know that, you know, so far through my nine seasons that I think this is Marcy's second worst haircut of the entire thing (laughs) and the haircut actually when i really looked at it up close and examined it you know on the on the tv i realized it looked a lot like jefferson's haircut but it looks great on him so (laughs) that's amazing it didn't work out for her yeah weird how that works maybe they got two for one from the barber now surely there must be someone around here old enough to know that song hi peggy hi (laughs) Listen, Jefferson and I were thinking of going to the movies. Well, I don't think we can go with you. Well, we didn't want you to come with us. <laughs> but we need to know what's playing, and Al stole our paper again. How'd you know it's me? We found one of your straws in our sparklets bottle. <laughs> now, listen, while you're here, let, let me ask you a question. Um, see if you can see if you can name this song. Mm-hmm, him. <laughs> The hair in his ears moves in and out like a child's party favor. Oh, yeah, and the, and the nose hairs, they sort of spread like a geisha girl fan. <laughs> That's right. Keep dancing on the minefield. <laughs> now, concentrate. Mm-hmm, him. Itsy Bitsy Spider? No. <laughs> Go tell Pharaoh. No, come on. This is a song from my youth. Look, it's a wheel. Peg, honey Before we're all knee deep in your blood uh, Why don't you go over by the radio And listen to see if they play my song You are just determined to win that Nobel Putz Prize this year, aren't you? Listen, I have the perfect plan To figure this whole thing out Now, what we'll do is We'll just sit here And we'll name every song that was ever made Until we get it Now, I'll start 
Mandy. Dem uh, bones, dem bones, dem. Oh, shut them. up! I told you never to play with this man. Now give it up, Al. I'm sure there is no such song. It's probably a shoe hallucination. I mean, your face is in feet all day long. Something's got to give. So when they're asking Marcy and Jefferson about it, I think Jefferson says, like, them bones, them bones. And so I had to look up the date of the episode because I thought he was referring to the Alice in Chains song. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what the first thing I thought. And then I realized that I think it's a spiritual he's referring to, which I don't know what that is. So maybe you guys can clarify that for me. Oh, you're yeah, it is. I got pumped. I was like, man, Jefferson's awesome. He likes Alice in Chains. And then I was like, (laughs) wait a minute. When did this episode come out? Because. Uh, that song came out, and then I looked it up, and I was like, no, not possible. So, no, he's, he's still awesome, though. <laughs> no, he's still awesome. Jefferson's so cool. Our next call on Why Me comes once again from Peggy B, calling from the Bundy household. You're on, Peggy. What's Al done this time? <laughs> well, he heard a song, and he can't remember the name of it. So he's holding me and the neighbors hostage. Help us! Help us! He's mad, I tell you, mad! <laughs> Mad, am I? I'm not doing anything any rational man wouldn't do. Now, you get that oldie station back on, or the walls will be your tombs. All of you! (laughs) Oh, come on, Al. The chances of them playing that song are a million to one. It just... Go with him! Go with him! Go with him! Go with him! That must be the name of my song. Groovy song, wasn't it? You know, a lot of people think the name of that song is Go With Him, but it's not. (laughs) What is it? What is it? Well, here's our third song of 5,000 in a row. We're going to the world's record. Two full years of uninterrupted music. This is Rick Cool, the fifth monkey, heading home to his depressing studio apartment on the Poe side of town. He's Rick Cool for the middle age. But here's, here's what's fascinating about that entire scene. After the jingle, nothing happens. No music, no DJ, just silence. Like, even though no one in the room has switched the radio off, that, that, that's all you hear. And then the audience reacting to everything and, and the whole act. Like, where's the songs? Where's the rest? And they always do that, Married with Children. Like, when Al was even watching, like, the... Like, sometimes when he says, I'm going to watch the game, like, as soon as he puts the TV on, it goes, and that's the end of the game, you know, something like that. Like, they always seem to cue things so perfect for the show, <laughs> or, like, everything starts right on time as soon as they turn the TV on. It's always like that with this show. So, only things happen on radio or television for the show, and then it just stops. That's pretty much on any TV show, though. Yeah. If I, everything just seems to be conveniently timed. <laughs> right. Because we want to get to the point. Right, yeah. For, I guess we could have him sit around and listen to some commercials for a while, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's ironic, too, that the uh, that the DJ actually knew the name of that song because I've found in situations where DJs don't know the name of the song and, and what it is, and they assume it by that, and that, that DJ, of course, said, that's actually not the name of the song, but, like, right. me and... Um, me and my cousin were riding around in the car just a few weeks ago and listening to the radio. And after the song was over, the DJ said, 
the, the DJ was like, well, that was, um, they were like, that was Teenage Wasteland by The Who. And it's like, I was like, that's not the name of that song. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wouldn't a DJ know this? So um, the, that was the first thing that popped in my head when he said, that's actually not the name of this song. Because I was like, that's what that DJ should have said I was listening to a few weeks ago. <laughs> this guy knows something. Yeah. Now, wait, is there something? Do we have something on the DJ, Jamie? Um, I mean, DJ Rick Cool? Yeah. Yeah, well, his line, Has Anybody Seen My Good Friend John, is a reference to the 1968 folk song Abraham, Martin, and John by the group Dion. Oh, you guys are so much deeper than I am in this knowledge. Listen, we, it's amazing what the vast knowledge in our heads of this show. It's fascinating. <laughs> I, that's why we were hired to do this. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually searched for us for three months. And they finally found us that you guys have to do this show because of that. <laughs> hey, look, Garfield got his whiskers full of mayonnaise. <laughs> Uh-oh, here come the ants. <laughs> oh, enough. I want to talk to you. <laughs> look, the ants are carrying off the lasagna. <laughs> and that is a real book. Um, Garfield's Picnic Adventure from 1988. Kelly goes to kiss him, and he sees an angel and a devil on his shoulders, and they both basically say to do it. So he goes to, despite Al's wishes, and how hot does Kelly look when she mounts this guy? Dude, I was going to say this episode's one of Kelly's, it's hard for me to say it's one of her most slamming episodes, but like, she's slamming in it. Oh, my God. God, I I would love someone to take a still of that shot and put my head instead of this guy's head <laughs> so that I could be on the couch with Kelly. I mean, I'll do it myself if need be, but I <laughs> this has to happen. <laughs> my brother's good in Photoshop. I'll see what he can do. Yeah, I already did with me and J-Lo, but I need a new one with me and Kelly now. You've had so many accolades, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> the unfortunate thing is that if you pay attention to their faces after she pulls him down on top of her they never actually kiss they just they lay there they're face to face and they're smiling clearly waiting for their cue (laughs) no what are you talking about this is real life they just filmed it (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh guys come on you couldn't have just done it i mean just whatever but no it was it was obvious that they were just waiting and that was kind of sad i guess they were expecting people to be focused on al but i mean seriously who's gonna maybe maybe they were nervous i mean i think when i was like 12 or whatever maybe there was a time where like we were like me and a girl would have been in that position and i would have like should i go for it i don't know if i should and obviously if you're in that situation you just should but maybe they were waiting i'll come down the stairs okay we're talking about kelly she's 19 (laughs) <laughs> and she's done this a hundred times. Neither of them are nervous. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, wow, it's really happening. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't good at putting together the signals when I was a kid. I was like... Well, don't feel bad. Most guys aren't good at putting together the signals ever. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm still not. My wife says, man, you still don't get it, do you? <laughs> 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 so Al comes down the stairs. Uh, he jumps off of Kelly. Al doesn't notice because he's in his own world. Al invites Vinny, the father, over to figure out the song. You know, Mr. Bundy, if you're really looking for a record, 
My father knows every oldie ever made. Oh, Noel, please. If my feelings mean anything to you, you will not invite that man to my home. Go with him. <laughs> Mighty familiar. You came to the right guy. So, you know the song? No. <laughs> but I do know the complete theme to the Patty Duke show. <laughs> well, they're cousins, identical cousins, all their lives. They walk alike, they talk alike. Now, why not? They're both Patty Duke. <laughs> Gee, Charlie, you're still the same clown prince of unemployment you were when those shoes and shirt were in style. He still dresses like he did when he was 30. And, and that's interesting because... I find that mo- that mostly happens with with hair and I think clothing too. I feel like once guys are like uh it happens between 25 and 30. They de- they find this haircut. Yes. And they never nope. ever they will have ever. the same haircut until it either either it falls out or they die. <laughs> right. And because how many 70-year-old men do you know that you're like, you have had that haircut for 40 years and I know it. And you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like I never look at them and go, that's so bizarre because it usually when they find a haircut, it's because it looks good on them. That's at least what I've noticed. And right. So typically when I see older men who clearly had the same hair, because you can look at photos of them when they were younger and it's the same hair, same hair. But usually it looks good, so mm-hmm. and there's a reason they keep it. I've had the same haircut since I was 14. See? Yeah, but yours is yours. I know that's just saying this because you're sitting here, but yours is actually acceptable because it's at least against the grain. It's at least different. You're not trying to fit into the general public at all. Like I feel like most people get that. Oh, that's acceptable. Like. Oh, I found my acceptable haircut. Like, they don't even try to find a badass haircut or something that's really unique to them and really says who they are. You did, and that's what's cool about it. So you can probably have your long hair forever, and I think it'll always be cool. But, like, to to have just that short, spiky hair, because I did that for, like, 15 years, and I eventually said, what the hell am I doing? I have never known another man to change his appearance more than you. <laughs> you seriously, you do. And, and it, it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But, I mean, you you go through, like, you'll be, like, clean cut facial hair, long hair, short hair, spiky hair, no spiky hair. You even have frosted tips. <laughs> Listen, you're bringing stuff up from many years I ago. I know. I know. That was a very long time ago. That was you know what the funny thing is, is? The last show I was on, you brought up the frosted tips too, Jamie. <laughs> Oh, my God. She just loves to do that. I can't get over those frosted tips. That was 2007. But I, I mean, think you... Alex has found his long hair look now, though. I feel confident. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh, wait, I think you said the same thing on that last episode. He's a, he's my biggest supporter. But yeah, um, yeah, you'll you'll do full beard. Sometimes you have <laughs> like a, just a, like a close cropped facial. Sometimes you're a goatee. You know, I mean, yeah, you've been all over the you have just run a gauntlet from <laughs> <laughs> One look to it. It's like someone is playing with a Sims character. and 
But I mean, I'm not one to talk because my hair color changes like I'm changing my underwear. So I'm not, you know, I'm not making fun of you. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I actually like it a lot. Oh, thanks. But it's just not usual. Usually guys are too lazy to do that. Yeah, they just, you know, they they just get their acceptable look and that's it. They're done. And guys, if anyone's listening who 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 does this, just uh, say you when you look in the mirror. Don't just do what's easy and what you can wake up to and just go right to work in. That's not really what life is about. You, you know, you have an image, I'm sure. Try to let that show. Like, when people look at you, they should know what they're getting into. You know, like with salt water. This public service announcement has been brought to you by the Married with Children podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Let's get back to the show. So, uh, <laughs> be yourself. <laughs> be yourself. Stop conforming. <laughs> It's that cigarette lighter that I found in a couch at your wedding, right? <laughs> l- l- let me explain about that. You see, to you, that lighter was just a sterling silver antique cigarette lighter with your mother's initials on it and pure gold with one diamond. <laughs> but to me, it was a keepsake of the memory of the most beautiful bride I'd ever seen. A memory that remained with me long after I hocked the lighter. (laughs) And if I may say so, Peggy, that beauty has not faded one bit. Really, Charlie? That's so sweet. Hey, it's right from the heart. I mean, when I look in your face, the only words that come to my mind are final vinyl. (laughs) That's the store you have to go to to get that record out. Final vinyl. Hey, didn't I tell you that this man was great? Oh, uh, by the way, Charlie, uh, how about that 20 bucks you owe me? You know, it's, it's only been 10 years. <laughs> I must take my leave now. <laughs> Come, Vincent. Goodbye to you, Al, and to your two lovely daughters. Charlie. Yes, Enchantress? <laughs> my watch. <laughs> Charlie tries to steal... Peg's watch. There is something very strange about this whole stealing watch scene. Although Charlie briefly grabs Peg's wrist throughout the scene, she's not wearing a watch before he got there. So as he leaves the Bundy house, the other weird thing is that he's holding a cigar in his right hand. And mm-hmm. when Peg calls him out that he's about the watch... The camera cuts back to Charlie, and now the cigar is in his left hand, and the stolen watch is in his right hand. So, two bizarre things happen. Like, why wouldn't they make Peg wear a watch when the scene started? Yeah, it's not like they didn't know that was going to happen. It's not like it was improv Right. It's like, who are we really going to say, ah, no one's going to watch this again, and if they do, they'll forget that that joke's coming up anyway. So now, they go to this uh, a vinyl store. Final vinyl. Yeah, final vinyl. Love it. Now, what about this guy here, Jamie? Uh, Dave, the store clerk at Final Vinyl, is played by Sully McCullough, an actor best known for his role as Crazy Legs in Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood and <laughs> Mouse on The Jamie Foxx Show. That was Crazy Legs? Whoa. Wow. Mine's blown. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this guy... You can just walk up to him and say anything, really. And he seems to know what song you're talking about. 
<laughs> Green Door by Jim Lowe. Mm-hmm, with the hmm and a knife. Overton Mountain, Claude King, Isle 3. <laughs> Flow! Yeah. Any day now, Chuck Jackson, Isle 4. <laughs> <laughs> This guy's a genius. We're home. <laughs> Go with him. Never heard of it. <laughs> what a surprise. Now, th- there is something strange that happens later that people uh, don't seem to really understand. Uh, if this is the case, that he could name any song, but somehow he can't figure out Al's song. Now... Thank you. Not even this, huh? What is it? Is Oprah right? Are you a big fat woman? Oh, I was. It was a 45. A stinking 45. The record of the gun. I'll even settle for the damn malt liquor. Just this once, can you show that you can love even Al Bundy? So, Al prays to God. <laughs> Now, here's the weird part. So, oddly enough, a second later, the song starts up on the jukebox in this store. This is, this is my song! Thank you, thank you. I'll be back for only one more request. It involves a thunderbolt and a... So, if that song plays in any regular basis here how does this guy not know it that is an excellent question i think it was divine intervention god might have been listening he said he wanted the 45 the uh, he he said he wanted a 45 the record the gun or the malt liquor (laughs) he got the record maybe it was divinal oh oh my god now that's mind blown who would i remember the divinals Oh, well, yeah. I touch myself all the time. <laughs> I touch myself. I want you to love me. Yeah, that was a good song, actually. That chick was hot, though, in that video. You ever see that video? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sadly, the lead singer, Chrissy Amphlett, died in 2013 of breast cancer, which I found out a little while ago. That's pretty... That's a bummer. Always makes me think of Austin Powers. Do they play that there? Dude, in Austin Powers, like... Oh, I feel like, yeah, they, I feel like I remember that. Like, he dances to that song. Right, right, right. Yep, right. he dances to that song to make the fembots or whatever, like, jump around and go crazy and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, now, when, did you guys notice, and I guess everyone listening is going to have to rewatch this scene, when that song starts playing, and Al realizes it and gets up and is like you know frantic over it just stare at peg's reaction the entire that entire scene did you notice this aaron did you see this yes yeah i I, i've had to let me put it like this that dance you know what i need to do is i need to my i need to get my girlfriend to just what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna put that part on because that (laughs) little move makes my girlfriend 
do this crazy out loud laugh. She thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. Like she, <laughs> like I could play it a hundred times and she's so entertained. <laughs> like when we first watched this episode a few months ago, she was like, rewind it, rewind it. Like she just, him moving like that made her. Well, so I seen it so many times <clears throat> that I still think it's funny, but I started of course paying attention to Peggy and she has the weirdest <laughs> not reaction reaction like it's right so hard to explain it's like it, it like i don't know if she's in awe because the song came on or she's not in awe because the song came on but you can't really put what anything she into means. it like yeah i don't know what she what if i don't know if it was acting or not acting it almost seemed like one of those things like she realized like she didn't have anything for a few seconds so she was like thinking about what she was going to eat for dinner or something like that. Katie Seagull, not Peg. Like, and then right. it snaps back into the scene, yeah. It's like Katie Seagull forgot what her reaction was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So she just stared blankly in this wonderment of strangeness. Like, look at it again. It, it's Because the reason I looked at her, because I also re- rewound it for some reason. Thank God I did, because I caught this. But... I thought that when I rewound it to look at her, I guess because I expected this to play out a different way. When that song kicked on, I thought she was going to look at Al like, Al, Al, it's your song. It's like, what? What? You know, he's all within his God prayer just now. And he Mm -hmm. like realized and he starts dancing and Peg, that's it. That's it. And they start like, I thought they'd have some kind of different reaction. But instead, it's this bizarreness of this weird blankness that I just cannot get a read on what she's doing. Do you know what I bet it is? Hmm. Like here, sitting here thinking about it, um, like this, this thought just popped into my head and this is maybe the only way I can validate it is that they probably had a hard time shooting that. Cause like, like, you know, like me the first time I seen it or when the audience sees it, him moving like that, it's hysterically funny. Maybe, Katie Seagull just could not contain herself from laughing and she had to force herself to zone out in that moment. That's the only, (laughs) that's the only way I can, I can think because like she literally like almost doesn't look at him and that's all, that's the only thing I can think. I remember like, I hate that I'm comparing this, but there was a a couple similarities like uh, of things like that, that happened on Roseanne where they just kind of had to accept the take that they had. Um, because it was the only one I can remember one in particular because Mm. it was, yeah, there was one where Dart where Darlene had broke up with David. And so like Mark is supposed to go in there and like talk to David, like, Hey, you know, I've been there and all that stuff. And I guess they had a really hard time shooting the scene and you can hear Mark, the guy that played him was Irish. You can start to hear his accent come out and him start to laugh a little bit because (laughs) he's like, He's like, man, I know what you're thinking. He was like, you can't get that image out of your head. He was like that other guy climbing on top of her. And like when he he starts to laugh a little bit when he says it. And I I guess they had a really hard time shooting that. So maybe that's exactly what happened here with Peggy. That's the only thing I can think. Yeah, I don't know. But I implore everyone to watch it again. And a perfect segue, by the way, bro. Uh, Everybody. Katie Seagull was on The Connors last night. That is obviously the new, uh, I guess, spinoff of Roseanne. You know, it's Roseanne without Roseanne, The Connors. And Katie Seagull made her appearance last night for the first time. So check that out. The, uh, you know, today is the 12-12-2018, so it was December 11th, 2018. Check out, search up that show of The Connors. 
It's time for no man to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm gonna play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. I want it. How much is it? Well, since you're a good customer and obviously a ranting, raving loon, you can have it for $60. $60? For a record? Hey, look, you must look at my husband and mistake crazy for stupid. He is not paying you $60 for a record. And if he does, I will kiss your... So, now what did I miss here? Why would a single of the most generic undesirable rock song of the 60s or whatever be $60 for just the single. Because this guy was desperate? I don't know. Where's Al getting $60? Where do they get 20 Where do they get 2000 for uh, designer school? Where do they get anything? Where do they get the money to buy meter made shoes before they resell them? I don't know. Right. All I know is I've got a stack of 45s that I'm going to start slinging. If I'm getting 60 bucks a pop for them. Oh, my yeah, God. They can have my copy of Wooly Bully. I think he just knew Al was going to buy it no matter what the price was. And then, of course, Al continues his prayer after he hears the song and asks for a Thunderbolt to go into Peggy. <laughs> yeah. Can I get one more thing <laughs> while I'm on a roll? So does Peggy kiss this dude's ass, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, she said she would kiss his ass? Yeah. I will kiss your... And then, you know, we don't know. But she's like... I, is she picking something out of her mouth? Like pulling hair out of her mouth? What? I mean, when they come in the door... I don't know. An ass hair, maybe? Is she wiping her mouth? Or is she, like, lint out of her... I mean, I don't know what she's doing when they're coming in the door. I, I'm looking at her going, what did you just kiss? And why did she wait till she got home to pull it out of her mouth? And you can actually hear a kissing sound in the transition of that scene, too. Like, when she says that, you hear, mm, as, the, right, as they walk in the door. So she did kiss something, but... And why would he pay $60 for this record? You know what it is now. Isn't that all what... Isn't that all he wanted was just to know what it was? Did he really love the song? Or did he just... It was killing him that he didn't know what it was. Right. Why would he need that record specifically? Yeah. Like, couldn't he just say, well, I don't really need this record from your store. I could just buy this anywhere. Or, you know, I'll just, uh, no, thank you. I will hang on. Napster's right around the corner. Peg, this is the best $60 <laughs> yeah. I ever spent. <laughs> Except for the day before the day I met you. This is the happiest day of my life. 
because uh, the last happy day of his life was when Peg was not a thought in his mind. Uh-huh. Peg, I'm going to play this record over and over again until my ears bleed. <laughs> Honey, where's my record player? With all your stuff. In a box in the corner of the basement. Ah, honey, come with me while I get it. I want you to share my joy. After you, my love. (laughs) At least you're acting like a gentleman. Just not sure why. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, honey. I I couldn't remember which step was loose. (laughs) Where is the record player? It should have always just been where I said it was. Now it's downstairs, so uh, Al lets Peg go in the basement first to find out which step was loose. (laughs) Uh, And that was the first time that uh, someone falls down those stairs. Uh, It becomes a thing on the show. Uh, So Peggy is the uh, cherry breaker here. Yep. (laughs) Well, another great night. Look, you have to tell me right now. Why do you keep asking your shoulders if you should go for it? I mean, are they magic shoulders? If shoulders are talking about me, I have a right to know. No, there's nothing on my shoulder. Some say not even my head. But I digest. Nothing. Tis just as the poet said, "'Twas the wind." No. "'Twas the raven." No. Actually... Was a quote. Oh, enough. If I wanted intelligent conversation, I'd still be dating my teachers. I don't know why that's so hot. <laughs> yeah, I guess her teachers could have been like, what do you graduate when you're 21, 22, 23? Yeah, I guess it's possible, so I guess that'd be pretty hot. I think I picture them being older. Like, I think, like, I don't know, but it's a, it's a very illegal situation. It's highly frowned upon these days. Yes. Today it would be referred to as problematic. Yeah. When back then it was just funny. Yep. Do you ever date your teachers, Jamie? No, I never did. I had teachers that I had crushes on, but I never dated any of them. Did you ever, did you ever see the South Park episode where they were like, the, the teacher like had sex with the student and they like all flip out and they're like, wait a minute. The teacher, like, you're saying the teacher was a girl? And then they're just like, nice. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean that's what we actually talk about that all the time. Like it's a double standard if you're uh, um, if you're a Pamela Smart or whatever, then you get a slap on the wrist and everyone thinks the guy is cool. But if you are Kelly Dumb, yeah, <laughs> then the guy <laughs> is like a total rapist. You know. <laughs> I know if I'd been that twelve or thirteen year old, and like one of my hot teachers would have approached me, like. It would have been on. Like, it would have been on. But at the same time, I think the way these things come out is that like some like that kid probably brags to his friends about it at the on the playground or something. And, and then that's how it happens. And then it becomes a thing how this ruined his life. And realistically, deep down, he's like, uh, no, it didn't ruin my life at all. I'm a normal kid. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, oh, side note real quick. That McCullough guy also did Scary Movie 2 and The Cable Guy. Really? That's big. That's really big, guys. <laughs> I love the cable guy. Me too. Me too. I loved the first two acts, and after that, the movie just falls apart. No. The yeah. final act is horrible. No. Are you serious? Yeah, I love, I love that movie. You both love all of it? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. 
I was on, I was with you guys, but then I don't know. Like, I mean, you're not the only one. It's that's not the first time I've heard that. I just really, really like the whole thing. I've heard people who don't like it at all. Oh yeah, I heard that. Now kiss me, or I will kill you. Now, that didn't hurt, did it? No. Actually, it ranks right up there with finding money in the street. (laughs) Well, then what took you so long? Well, actually, I was afraid of your father. But as we all learned from that moving Jimmy Pearsall story, you've nothing to fear but fear strikes out. (laughs) Churchill, I believe. And besides, your father likes me. I think we're going to be great friends. So the big gag of the episode is that Vinny puts his feet up on the table after thinking he's going to get along with Al pretty well. And he snaps Al's $60 record of Anna, parentheses, go with him. Mm. Uh, Right after he says, your dad likes me. Right. So here's my theory. They jacked up the price of the record just for this scene. Like Jamie said, he already knows the song now. So he can always just get this thing again if anything were to happen to it. But since they made it worth $60, that adds the whole punch to the gut when you look at that scene. Yeah, I mean, it's given the impression that it's incredibly rare. And I guess they probably should have played that up a little bit more. Like actually made it, made someone say, oh, well, it's really rare and hard to get. That's why no one knows it, you know something like that but Hmm. in the end i guess it doesn't even it doesn't really matter because it still had the same impact but here's the the funny thing is i was so tired when i was watching this episode (laughs) that i heard him or i watched him say you know but your dad likes me and then i woke and then it's like i woke up to a crunch and i was like what did i miss and it was like two seconds later you know and i was like what what did i miss so i had to rewind it and then, and then it was like, oh, your dad likes me, Crunch. And I'm like, oh, I didn't miss it. I mean, I just didn't see it. So I guess I probably didn't. I mean, it was bizarre. Like uh, my eyes were closed, like my eyes closed. But I guess obviously I didn't go into I didn't go to sleep or anything. But it's the it was it was weird. It was such a very quick amount of time. Like I it was almost like I was just blinking. But I felt like I was waking up, so I don't know. Maybe I was slipping into sleep or something, and then the sound. I don't know what it was. But anyway, I expected that I had missed, like, ten minutes of the episode. And I was like, oh, no, no, i got to go back. And it was just, you know, but your dad likes me, Crunch. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) He did a hell of a job for somebody who was half asleep when he watched this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. well. Well, no, I was. I <laughs> I'm just kidding. Was, I'm kidding. Was great. I was like awake through all of it. It was just right at the end. I got really I tired. Like, so. <laughs> Someone was playing me on the wrong speed. <laughs> yeah. They're, what are their speeds? 33 and, and 45, right? And the, there's a 72 as well. I have a 72 RPM record. Yeah. Oh, okay. Or 78. 78. Sorry, not 72. 78. Nobody out there hit me. I changed it. <laughs> There are some records now. I assume this is like higher quality. I have Nirvana's In Utero and it's regular size big records. But 
you play it on the speed of the smaller record, and it's half the amount of songs uh, a normal record would have. I'm assuming that when they digitally remastered in utero and put it on vinyl, that they made it such superior quality that you pl- you actually spin it at 45 instead of 33, so it goes by quicker, and there's less songs on the side. So it's like, that is the best sound you could possibly get, because they always say, technically speaking, vinyls do sound better than anything else, because... It's a true capturing of the sound that's recorded in the studio with zero compression. Because the way records are made, which is fascinating in itself, I don't, I'll never understand. I even watched videos on like how are records cut. How do you cut sound into plastic and have it so specific to capture exact voices or exact whatever? Yeah, I can understand like music box. Like that makes sense to me, you know, because like the little the little barrel on the music box with the with the bumps that tink the tink, 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 you know, that makes sense. But I do not understand the witchcraft of (laughs) of setting actual voices molded into vinyl. It's so weird. I gotta get that in utero on vinyl now. Oh, dude, it's great. Every time, like, I play drums or whatever, I always warm up to that Scentless Apprentice thing. Boom, boom, ba, boom, ba, 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 boom, ba, ba, boom, 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 yeah, it's it's an amazing album. That's my favorite Nirvana album. A lot of people like Nevermind, but that's that's uh, second favorite to me. And I actually, I, I sort of like Unplugged a little bit more than Nevermind too. But uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating how it's made. I don't know how a needle reads it, but whatever. So on the original airing of this episode, the song Anna Go With Him is played over the credits, but on the DVD version, the instrumental, the replacement music for Love and Marriage, used from season three and onward, DVD releases is played instead. So if you saw this live, you'd hear that song as the credits were rolling. Yeah, you can look it up now and you don't have to pay $60. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just think if Al had YouTube to go to. Instead of paying this jack off $60, for what reason? I don't know. Yep, we've already written an episode right there. If they reboot it, Alan finds it on YouTube. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. So, for some reason, there's two customers in the store that are credited. Like I said, Michael Stanton and Ron Littman. Michael Stanton is famous for uh, The Treasure of the Painted Forest, They Crawl, The Misadventures of Something, and Adjust Your Tracking. Ron Littman is in uh, Wayne's World 2, Party Maximum Breakout. That is the most bizarre cover I've ever seen of a movie. Uh, oh my god! And the <laughs> sky is falling. You guys got to look at Maximum Breakout. Is this not the cheesiest? Oh my god! <laughs> you gotta see this. Hold on. I, gotta... I know, right? Max, uh, nineteen ninety one. What? You remember, Aaron? We were talking. That was like the worst time in the world. Like that period at the end of the eighties and the beginning of the nineties. Very, very. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> Enlarge it. Look at this. Dude, oh my gosh. Oh wow! Now it's their turn to get even. <laughs> now it's their turn to get even. Yeah, dude. I'm gonna Photoshop terrible. my face on this guy. You want to put a what? I'm going to Photoshop my face on this guy. I don't believe this. Look at him. Did he show anybody this? Look, scroll down to Born Killer. Look at that cover. 
if you're looking at the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Image, oh, my yeah. God! <laughs> it looks like Dolph Lundgren on heroin and crack or something. Some men turn bad. Others are born that way. <laughs> There's a movie called Sexual Intent. That sounds like a Law and Order episode. <laughs> it's, uh, exactly. And it's a, it's clearly the title of a, an early 90s movie, and so so says the cover, too. I mean, just, just incredibly, yeah, wow. But. You could go down a rabbit hole with this. Like, now I'm clicking Deadly Prey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This is unbelievable. This maximum breakout, though. I mean, it really... St- I, that's a... <laughs> oh, it's also called... The, the Spanish title is Doble Sequestro. <laughs> oh, wait. This guy, Ted Pryor. That's the problem. It's this guy, Ted Pryor. He's in all these. Yeah. Oh my god. Invasion force. <laughs> no ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now Dan, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode. Okay, how many stacks of vinyls are we going to set next to the furnace this winter for oldies but youngins out of five, Jamie? I'm going to I'm just going to put 4.5 stacks, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, wow, that's a good rating for this. Um, it, well, I really think there's a lot of good stuff in this episode. You know, it's um one I did actually remember this episode. I think Al has some really funny moments. It's totally ridiculous that this whole thing is centered around the fact that he's got to have this song. But, you know, we get the introduction to Matt LeBlanc's character, which is cool. I don't know. I think there are just some really fun moments here. You know, there are some definitely laugh out loud moments. So uh, I enjoyed it. And I was, you know, awake until the very end. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> she only fell asleep during the last gag. Yeah. Crunch. <laughs> Look at the crunch. All right, Aaron, uh, how many stacks of vinyls are you setting next to the furnace this winter for oldies but youngins out of five? You know, it's funny because at first I was going to go actually with Jamie's score of 4.5. But after I, you know, and this was really before I watched the episode again, like I was like when I thought back into it, when you guys asked me the other night to do this, I thought that was a good episode. It's a 4.5. But after watching it again, I'm like, there's so many pluses to it. The the Kelly just looking slamming. Um, mm, the one mm. the one liners. I mean, just this show never really lets me down. But the thing that's bumped it up to a five for me, a very very high score, is the fact that like every time I watch it or every time I see it, my girlfriend cackles hysterically. And for <laughs> I was me, gonna say I think that's adorable that she does oh, that. Yeah, my that God. is so cute. I have. 
to record her reaction because you guys will understand why, it, it, you know, it's weird because it means something to me because like, so like that bumps the episode up for, I don't know if you'd call it nostalgic because I only viewed this episode for the first time a few months ago, but years from now, I'm always going to remember this episode for the reason that my girlfriend just, she loved that thing so much. And it was the funniest thing in the world to her. So for me, it's got to be five. I, I love the episode. Um, to me, it's a classic Mary the Children episode. It ends with really no resolution, which is my favorite kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I love it. Uh, five, five out of five for me. Sentimental reasons. Yeah, it's sentimental. Yeah. I give this a solid four out of five stacks of vinyls next to the furnace over the winter. You know, thinking about it, when I read the description last week, I was like, uh, you know, I got to admit that, you know, I do remember this episode. I've watched it about five or six times in my life. But, you know, I've watched all the other ones so many more times that this is definitely more of a wayside episode and i think i just got caught up in the stigma of this you know charlie and Vinny thing and it's sort of an eye roller because it's like oh god there's when they try to do that spinoff and then i get the memory of like what they did on the 100th episode and it was like way more of those guys you know so i think that i just sort of avoided them like the plague and stuff but now that we're doing this chronological exploration of this this tv series I, I've been looking at things differently and, and not being so hard on them or not being so, like, judgmental or giving them blanket opinions across the board when there's so many, you know, like, for example, like saying all the episodes with seven are horrible, you know, and then you watch them and you're like, oh, well, you know, he was barely in the show and it was good besides that. that. Yeah, it's, it, that's way overhyped. Right, exactly. Or way, on, way, way, made it way, way worse than it is. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. The memories are worse than the actual episodes. Mm-hmm. So um, I, that's how I'm taking – that's the approach I'm taking when I go through all these. So I got to say that those guys really didn't bother me in this episode. It was just, uh, you know, a, a boyfriend of Kelly and uh, his dad showed up for five minutes and, and he wasn't that bad. So that really didn't bother me. Uh, the whole thing, Al looking for the record, it was cool that I knew the song. Everything in between was cool. How dumb Kelly and this guy are is, is funny. Peg was good. Bud was good. Good ending, uh, absurd $60, but whatever, that's Al's life, it's just normal for him. And then being crushed, of course, we pointed out how dumb that is and how it didn't matter anyway. He already knows the song and all this other, you know, little things you could pick out. But, you know, most things we pick out don't ultimately hurt our experience. I think anybody could say, if anybody's like, God, you guys nitpick this or that, nobody says that to us because I think what they realize is we have to talk about something. Mm-hmm. So you just you just talk about things or how funny or absurd something is, but then when people realize, oh well, they're not really you know jerks or anything because they still rate these things like fives, even if they bring up you know five things that make absolutely no sense because that's just what it is. It's just absurd. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to explore, and that's about it. So uh, besides the whole episode resting on on a nonsensical thing in itself. Uh, I still give it a solid four out of five. I I really I really enjoyed this episode. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're it's not like you know a joke that isn't realistic knocks our score down to a two or something like that. That would just be crazy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, tune in next week. We need top lovers and other strangers. 
Peggy and Al must decide whether to give their last hundred dollars to Bud, who's been selected a top teen, or to Kelly, who has a chance to become Miss Winnie Tot. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> 